podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all that thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. Hello and welcome back to episode 60 of the Disnomics podcast. As per a big shout out to those who listened to the week's previous podcast, episode 15, 59 with Ash. We discussed the notion that men's lives are potentially disposable relatively in society today, which caused quite a bit of debate. Um, so make sure you join the debate. Let me know what you think. If you disagree or agree or have more questions, I think it's a very interesting topic to explore. So thank you for all those who listen on both on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and um, SoundCloud. But anyway, new week and that. This week's podcast is going to be very different. A bit of laziness, a bit of change. I'll, <laughs> it's bank holiday weekend, man's tired and that. But I, I've always wanted to answer a few questions from my listeners. So this week, um, I asked on my social media platform, well, Twitter really, let me not, let me not act like I asked on bare platforms and that. Any questions people like me to ask, answer even. I picked out a few because quite a lot of people's uh, questions mirrored each other's. So I'm gonna do my best to answer them. And then yeah, we'll take it from there. Lego. Yeah, 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 I too. This is DJ Anochi coming fresh from the desk. You're listening to this enormous podcast. That's it. I too. DJ Willie, come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, boom. First question. This is from Audrey Milan, and it was um, repeated by quite a few people, but she was the first person to ask me. Shout out, Audrey. You used to support Jose. Don't think I forgot. But anyway, GDPR. What's all this stuff about? I'm sure virtually every single person listening to this podcast inboxes have been pammed to submission by companies updating their GDPR policies and all that type of stuff. What is GDPR? Well, the acronym stands for General Data Protection Regulation. And the EU have been um, kind of preparing for this, Dave. This is a new regulation that came into into activity um, on May 25th, so a few days ago, for those listening to the podcast early on a Monday. This is why you've got hella, hella emails, because companies don't want no smoke. Companies, as well as institutions like schools, now have to explicitly ask you for your consent when it comes to using and sharing your data. Remember my podcast not too long ago about Facebook, how their man got into serious wahala, Mark Zuckerberg went to speak in front of Congress, and he was getting smoke. So now they have to ask for your consent. That's why you're getting all types of emails. In fact, today was the first time um, I jumped on Facebook for ages, just simply to get my uh, a friend's surname to put on a ticket. And they asked me bare different questions. Yo, check our policy. So I just uh, upped it out of a lot of stuff. So that is what has caused your inbox to be infiltrated by all these emails. And if companies don't comply, well, it could get a bit tight. If you have 250 employees or more, you have to notify them of any breach. So if you have any breaches, you have to notify them within 72 hours or it could get long. Uber, for example, 2016, they had a data breach and they tried to cover it up. If any company similar to that try it, they're in trouble. What is the trouble? Well, you can get a fine of $24.8 million, which is a lot, 
but it could also be 4% of your global annual revenue. And if we take Facebook, for example, as I said in my previous podcast not, not too long ago, they had a revenue of $40 billion, yeah? If they get fined, hit with a 4% global revenue fine, that's them paying $1.6 billion in fine. You don't want that. And that's why all these companies are scrambling to get this done over the line. So there's your answer, Audrey et al. Forgive me if I butcher your app because I don't know why you have hella letters, but do say Deuce X Matchy Joe asks about the pros and cons of a single currency. So this is a macroeconomic question, so shout out you, I like that. So for those who don't know what a single currency is, is when a group of nations, they form a union and they have one currency. So do you know, obviously, I'm sure everybody's been all over the world or you, you're aware of different countries. You have AED, Durham in the United Arab Emirates. You have yen in Japan. You have dollar in America. You have naira in Nigeria, cities in Ghana and pounds in the UK. You're also aware of Europe where you go to Paris or Berlin and there's euros. So a bunch of countries in Europe form the single currency, the euro. So for those who don't know, yeah, it wasn't always like that. Germany used to have the Deutschmark. Ireland had a pound. France had the French franc. Belgium had the Belgian franc. Italy had the lira. As oh, some of you may not know that Switzerland aren't in the euro, but they still have the Swiss franc. So you see how these different countries had different currencies. But of course, now they are part of the euro. Now, what is the advantages of being in a single currency like the euro? Well, it helps you facilitate trade with other trade partners within the same currency. So when it comes for Germans trading with the French, it's a lot easier because there's no transaction costs. I'm sure some of you have purchased goods from China or from America. There is a transaction cost or maybe Europe where you're paying euros or yuan or dollars. You're going to have to pay the transaction cost, which is the conversion between your pound going into a different currency. So you don't have to do that when you're trading. And also it's easier to compare prices. So which kind of, which helps efficiency and competition. Also, it kind of eliminates the exchange rate volatility where obviously people who trade um, trade currencies, they speculate. So that makes long-term investments a lot more riskier. This is eliminated when you have a single currency. Now, it also increases inward investment. So you're now investing within your single currency um, union. Now, the disadvantages of this, it's pretty simple. Those who have listened to this economics, you've probably heard me talk about monetary policy a bit, especially when I spoke about the Bank of England. This is when they dictate exchange rates to kind of help balance the economy and achieve whatever objective they want to achieve. So that's moving exchange rates up or down. Having a single monetary policy for a multitude of nations, to me, it's like Zara jeans. One size don't fit all. You know Zara, with their, I think it's their 34 length. See me, I'm a tall person. I can't, like Zara jeans, I can't really fit into Zara jeans. Like it's a struggle because hella shin will be on show. You know what I'm saying? And that's the same thing with monetary policy. Let's, let me give an example. Let's say um, your country in a single currency union is suffering. Your economy is going to shit and you need to slash interest rates. So to kind of boost spend, consumer spending economy and try to boost the economy and try to survive. But what if every other man's country is booming? They're not going to tailor their monetary policy to you. So that's one of the issues with having a single, um, single currency, let alone how different countries have single current, um, have one 
monetary policy, but everybody could do whatever they want fiscally, well, to an extent. Then you have to look at how different policies will impact countries differently. So, for example, let's imagine the UK was in um, during the Euro a time ago, yeah? The UK is one of the highest uh, nations in terms of home ownership. And we look at countries like Germany, they, they tend to rent more. So if you, it's like policies that lead to, like, let's say, increasing exchange rates will harm more UK households because we're more likely to own our homes. And then if you increase the interest rates, that's going to probably in- increase mortgage um, repayments on a monthly basis, which won't harm countries that, let's say, rent a lot more directly. And also another disadvantage is the cost of transition. So when you're... You have, you're taking money out of ATMs, you're getting this money um, phased out, you're now changing prices and menu listings everywhere. Like, there's cost for the transitions. We know that because we've been talking about the cost of the transition out of the euro, let alone changing our currency. So, yeah, so thank you for that question. It's kind of lit. Um, Wrapped in Culture asked me for my thoughts on something. He quote tweeted um, a snippet of, I think, like a newspaper headline, like a maybe an online um, newspaper headline. And it's basically the thoughts um thoughts on should fathers Father Day be banned because it's disrespectful to single mothers and same sex couples. Obviously this is absurd. Completely absurd. Because why won't you if that's your notion of why won't you ban Mother's Day? Which is a widely more significant and more celebrated day of celebration of a parent doesn't make any sense. So why is it more disrespectful to same-sex couples than Father's Day? Then less disrespectful, should I say, than Father's Day. It's absurd. And also, why does... And also, some single mothers, some single parents, they decide to be single parents. Like, I don't understand. So why are people... Why can't people celebrate Father's Day? The role of the father in society today is getting battered. And I would say fathers are quite underrated now. It's got to the point. That's absurd. Father's Day is even like a joke man day. Like people don't even take it seriously like that. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. And when you have notions like this, why would you expect for it to be, um, what should I say, like cool and the thing to do in terms of like men taking up more increased role in parenting and fatherhood? If, I'd think they should. It should be normal. But what incentive does it does this give you to be a father when all your efforts in society are being scoffed at? That's ludicrous. Stupid opinion. Don't want to hear that again. Imbeciles. Anyway, CryptoKen asks, uh, my f- uh, thoughts on racism in workplace football education. Um, a couple of podcasts ago, I described um, some form of racism in the schooling system where um, I think it was a Warwick professor. He found that one third of capable Caribbean students who can sit the year nine sats were in fact not entered into the higher papers, which is absurd. So that's something in the education system. Also, we, I spoke at nauseam about uh, black um, male students are four, 300, no, 400%, no, 300% more likely are to be suspended, especially for similar reasons than other students, which is pretty self-explanatory. In terms of um, workplace, I see it quite often, but it's, it's more covert because obviously with how society's developed, there's hardline laws. Like if you are caught doing something racist, you're going to get panned from your job, and rightly so. So it's a lot more discreet. 
So it's kind of like microaggressions is like the, is, is, is the low key, is the reason, it's almost racism on the low. Do you know what I mean? That James Bond racism where like they'll make one to two comments. Like see me, I'm not the, as you could probably guess, I'm not the one to have a single bar of it. So the first time somebody tries to make those kind of like, maybe not outright racist, but like those like sneaky black people jokes, I do not tolerate it. So one time uh, I was at a workplace where they always used to make these jokes about this Asian, this Asian gentleman about Asians. And it made me feel mad uncomfortable. I was new there, but it made me feel mad uncomfortable. I don't laugh. Like, I was thinking, why is he having it? And at one time, one geezer must have made some joke about chicken. I had a swivel chair. I swiveled a long way around. I just looked at him dead in the face, took my glass off, looked at him dead in the face. And you know when man's laugh like, ha, 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 and the laugh, don't know when the laugh starts to fade. And then man started typing, but I made sure I still looked at my man. And he kind and, he, and I, I could see him glance, see if I'm still looking at him. Yeah, brother, I'm still looking at you. That's not going to run. So that alone, let my man know that that's not going to run. Because see me personally, I don't mind smashing heads over keyboards you say so racist. I will happily lose my job f- for that calmly. Because I'm not having a single bar of that. But that let man know that you can't do that. And I, I, do, I would um, implore black people in a workplace, the first instance, do not have it. Because in these workplaces, you say something even minor. Like some, I've, I've had people try and monitor what I do and write reports on me for the most ridiculous things. They will calmly go to HR for nothing. So you have to be prepared to let them know that, no, you can't do this. I'll go to HR. I'll go to HR on your ass and they'll behave. You get me? And, I, and I've seen like um, my female friends or women, even my sister, they experience it on a mad level. Because from what, from my experience in the workplace, men don't really get involved in the office politics as much. This is just my experience. So, don't, so this is not data. They don't really, in my experiences and my boys' experiences, men don't really get involved in the office politics. It's usually the women and they're the ones who move a bit mad and, get, and they get a bit intimidated if they see like, I don't know, like a couple of black girls. So they start going lunch together. They get intimidated and they start moving mad, bearing microaggressions about hair, looks, beauty. For another one, it happened to me at work. One colleague, yeah, and this guy was one incompetent baboon, one buffoon. Like, man was asking me, or sorry, I'm ranting here. Man was asking me on how to do stuff. I'm like, brother, you've been here for four years and you were the one supposedly trained me. I've been here for a few months. And you're asking me questions. Anyway, this fool, yeah, he asked me, oh, what I'm listening to. And I think I, at that time, I was actually listening to Drake. I was like, oh, this is the Drake. And he was like, oh, that's strange. And see me now, I'm ready to tango. I, when I'm ready to tango, I'm off my glasses. So if you know I'm off my glasses, you know I'm ready to tango, fam. So I was like, why is that strange? So, and I also stood up. So why is that strange? So I could look at him dead in the face. And he's like, oh, an intelligent young man like you who works in the city, who reads economics books, who, li- who reads the Financial Times, listening to rap music. That's strange. I go, what's strange about rap music? Why? And then he just kind of like, oh, shit. Man just sat down. I was like, yeah, I thought so. Punk. Um, with regards to football, it's funny because they always do these no racismo adverts with with Ronaldo and Messi and Pogba and Bear and all them and there. But really and truly, if you look at how they handle racism, they don't give a flying monkeys. Finding clubs who make 40, 50 million euros a year, 5,000 euros for your fans throwing bananas and making monkey chants at people. And we've seen how Luis Suarez is treating football. He's still adored. Like when you watch him, when you watch pundits talk about him, still adored revered. He was convicted. Like he said, he admitted to racially abusing Patrice Evra. And how is Patrice Evra treated when he goes back to Liverpool? He's booed by the fans. Scummy fan base. In fact, I'm so happy. That even just reminded me. 
So happy Madrid pammed them. Thank God for that. So happy. Sorry, Liverpool fans, but it is what it is. Free smoke for you, man, there. In fact, he's, he's scummy-ass club. Even printed T-shirt supporting Luis, like Justice for Suarez or some shit like that. Bruv, man racially abused a player. It was embarrassing. And Glenn Johnson, you as a black man, I'll never forget you wearing that shirt like a punk. Proper punk. Yeah? Then we had a John Terry thing. Racially abusing Anton Ferdinand. When Anton Ferdinand or all Rio Ferdinand used to go and play Chelsea, what happened? They used to get booed. Rio Ferdinand didn't even go to the World Cup one year or European Championships because of the conflict with John Terry. These are Rio's clear Terry anyway. Can you imagine? That just says it all. And even look at how they, um, the media addresses Pogba, uh, Raheem Sterling, Daniel Sturridge, Emmanuel Adebayor, all these type of players. Before the FA Cup final, they were asking for Neville about Pogba's attitude. If you listen to any interview from any previous player with him, coaches, they all talk about how he's such a lovely person, a hard worker. Why does he have an attitude? Because he, because he believes in himself and he's not going to bow down to what you lot want him to do. Same thing with Daniel Sturridge. Whatever Raheem Sterling did have a problem with it. It's see-through, it's transparent. Memphis Depay, all these players, they, they make sure the, 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 um, the, the fans know what cars these men are driving. They make sure that you know they're driving Rolls Royces. What do you want that man to drive? They're earning 100k a year, a, a week, sorry. People who work in a city who are earning, let's say, a salary of 200 grand a year and they get a, a fat bonus, they're driving the same whips. These men are earning like five to seven million pounds per year plus endorsements. What do you want us to drive? A Vauxhall Corsa? 13 plate with a broken door? How come we don't see that many white players' um, cars that they drive? How come we don't see Gary Cahill's car? Why not? Why don't we see Jordan Henderson's car? Or Joe Hart's car? Anyway, ran over. Um, next question. So this is a mix from Joe Nkoye and Doe Prince. They kind of ask a similar question. So Doe Prince asks, where should, where should we be putting our money? And Joel asks, easy ways to make money instead of buying Gucci bags for your girl for £500, put money in the fund. Well, first of all, Gucci bags don't cost £500 because we'll be, we'll be buying that ish for our girls. Still no dates, by the way. But summer, I allow you man to date. After summer, September, no dates. And yeah, I see what you're saying about putting money to funds. Okay, cool. First of all, there's no easy way to make money because if there was easy way to make money, we'd all be making money. Making money is difficult. In terms of funds, how can I describe? Okay, a fund is basically, let me give you a lamest term of a fund. A fund is where different types of investors, they pull their money into this one fund. So I, I drop, let's say, five grand, you drop three grand, your neighbor drops two grand, da, 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 da. And of course, it, 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 it amasses a big pool of money. Now, the asset management company or investment or hedge fund, if those watch billions, this is what Bobby Axelrod and their man do, they will trade and try to obviously get the best returns on that fund for you. And then obviously you'll get like a percentage increase in your money. So let's say if you're lucky, you get 8%, like, okay, let's say one year you've made 8%. And obviously this compounds over years, over years, over years, over years, and you can make good money that way. Obviously um, this is not well advertised. So the things that I would advise people to look into is SIP. So these are self-funded self-funded pension funds. So I've got one with uh, Hargis Lansdowne and I've got one with Aviva. So you can look into that. 
also in terms of like where to put your money, I'll say you want to have an ISA, of course. We also want to have a stocks and shares ISA. You want to invest. So I'm sure your banks will offer stocks and shares ISA. You, want, you might want to look in bonds where you can lock in your money for a period of time and it gives you a slightly better interest rate than standard um, ISAs. And in terms of like the entry level, you want to be looking at Moneybox and Nutmeg. So these are like apps that can help you start investing your money at a lower level. But I will beg you to go and do your own research first. Don't just take my word for it. That's not enough. Go do your research. And I think Nutmeg kind of give you a questionnaire so you can kind of work out your risk appetite. So these are things you need to know first. You need to want to do your information because making money is not easy. You don't just read one uh, link and you you could make a you be, and you turn into Bobby Axelrod. That's not how life works. But yeah, look into that. Um, finally, Inkster Mist he asks about the myth that college slash uni doesn't guarantee success. Well, I want to say that's a myth because nothing like going to a university. It's not going to guarantee you success. You can still go to university, get a good degree and still like have a terrible life, depending on the decisions you make. So I always implore people to make good decisions. But going to university and graduating, statistically, you are more likely to be employed, blah, blah, blah. So I hollered at my best friend, the ONS, the Office of National Statistics, to get some data for this question. So looking at figures from July to September 2017, Graduates are more likely to be employed than non-graduates, for one. Non-graduates in between the ages of 21 and 30 years old have consistently higher unemployment than any other group, which makes sense because you don't have the same level of work experience as somebody likely to be, let's say, in their 40s. And also you don't have that um, degree where, okay, you can get into a grad scheme or until more, somebody's like, okay, cool, you've got this skill that we can bring you in. Also, um, that same group, so non-graduates aged 21 to 30, also have higher inactivity rates than graduates aged 21 to 30. Graduates are more likely to work in higher skilled jobs, which makes sense because you've, let's say you've gone to do a degree in medicine or law or architecture or chemical engineering or mathematics, you're going to get into these fields. Annual earnings for graduates are actually greater than non-grads and also um, their peak are earning potential and earning years are later on in life. Of course, as you have massed skills and work experience and going up the, the ladder, you're going to earn more. 80% of 80% plus of graduates are employed. And that's compared to 40% of people who are non-graduates and didn't do like GCSEs, A-levels and all that type of stuff. So I'm not saying it's guaranteeing you success, but you have a higher probability of being able to live a decent standard of living if of course you are a graduate. So that's my first Q&A session. I would like to answer questions more regularly, so you can send them to hello at dysunomics.com or tweet me dysunomics, D1sunomics, or hit me up on Insta. In fact, just like my picture on Insta, give me that young boost, dysunomics on Insta. I'll be back next week with a guest, hopefully in my podcast. Please, 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 if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Search my name, Dysonomics, and give me a nice review, preferably five stars, so it's lit. Also, subscribe and download, because that boosts my stats, you get me? If you listen to this on SoundCloud, please follow. So it just comes to your SoundCloud feed Sunday, 10.30 every week. That's the time. Well, this one might not come at 10.30, because it's bank holiday and man's going to shops. But, yeah. Also, share. Tell a friend to tell a friend, even if it's family. 
spread the word please I hope you guys enjoyed your bank holiday weekend I hope nobody got lit by light hey speaking of lightning I stepped, my side, I stepped outside my house on Saturday I am seeing lightning upon literally every two seconds I was thinking this better be four because I don't have time to get barbecued out here so please I think it's gonna I'm not sure if it's gonna do thunder and rain for the rest of the week but please be safe and yeah God bless peace Podcast Network.